Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friends, throughout history, the voices have told the salvation story. From the time of the Savior's birth in Bethlehem, the voices have told the story. Heaven's host, recall, joins their golden voices in harmonious herald of the newborn king. Shepherds wondered aloud what this thing could be, and then having seen him, St. Luke tells us, they returned, making widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. Shepherds wondered what the marvel might be. Wise men inquisitively converse as to where this one could be. Kings and councils whisper in fear as to who this one might be. Voices tell the story. And there is the voice of one John, crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. And countless who would come to this Christ departed, unable to contain their voices, but telling all that this miracle worker had done for them or done there before them. Countless were so impressed by what they had heard and seen that their voices once murmuring with casual curiosity became confessing voices that could not be silenced because they would not be silenced. The voices have told the story from his birth. They've told the story of his life. The voices also tell the story at his death. And so tonight we listen to those voices of Calvary because they are indeed the voices of Good Friday. Nonchalant and matter-of-fact are the voices of Roman soldiers executing their Roman duties. They talk of the nuts and the bolts, the hammers and the nails of crucifixion like a baker would of his dough or flour or a mechanic, his wrench or pliers. It's what they do. And that's why perhaps they know not what they do. They're so jaded to the dirtiness and bloodiness of the job that they carry on in cold conversation, not noticing the person they handle without care talking right past the Lord in their midst, so consumed by the conversation of their work, their occupation, their daily task at hand, this particular Friday goes right by, and they do not notice the significance of it all. There still are such voices. And then there are the voices of those who, like the soldiers, unaware. They're the voices of passers-by unaware. Their voice is so entirely caught up in the conversation of life that they walk right past the cross of the Christ as they enter Jerusalem or wherever or whenever they happen to be going, preoccupied with talking and obsessing about yesterday or or busily planning for tomorrow. These voices never even stop and turn their attention to today. These are nonstop voices. Reflecting lives going on incessantly, they never pause to survey in reverent silence the wondrous cross upon which the Prince of Glory dies for them. And aren't there still such voices? Below the cross of Christ, we hear other voices. The voices of those who understand this to be a very significant and noteworthy event. But listen more closely. And it's not sorrow or sadness 
that you hear in their voices. No, these are the voices of those who regard the Christ more so as an artifact over which to cast lots than they do the architect of their salvation. The clothes and the garments, relics, are held in higher regard than is the one who was stripped of them. The accessories of his death replace in their petty parlance the singularly important fact that he dies. Their comments betray the fact that for them this Christ is thought to be a far more valued dead and staying dead than alive. And aren't there still such voices? Also at the foot of the cross are the voices that fulfill that prophetic voice of old. For these are they who, as the psalmist said, shoot out the lip at him. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. The cross, they say, fine place for a Christ. Save yourself, then, if indeed you are this Christ. Their voices ring rich with spite. Theirs is not simply a casual indifference to the Christ. Theirs is a hatred for him that resonates in their words. Too proud to lower their heads in penitent posture. They raise their noses and their fingers and their fists and, and their voices in disdain at Christ crucified. And do you still hear these voices today? And what of the other voices of Calvary? Oh, there are the, there are the voices like Pontius Pilate's. The voices of those who possess authority from above and yet are too frightened by the threats and pressures from those here below publicly to render honest judgment about Jesus the Christ. Too afraid to acknowledge the obvious truth for what it is. Their voices, crowd-pleasing voices, crowd-pleasing voices silenced into submission so scared of what the world might do to them that they're afraid to confess what the King of Heaven has done for them. And still, voices are scared into silence. There's the voice of a criminal. He's guilty of his crime, but by grace he doesn't deny it. Instead, he makes the most and best use of his last words, moved, by those law and gospel circumstances around him and the one dying right next to him, he collects his breath for his, for his guilty and blood-stained hands have nothing to offer. And he struggles to voice a prayer. Lord, remember me. The voice of God-given faith waits upon the Lord and is not disappointed. But his promised paradise and soon soon receives it. Some voices would have been heard near the cross also, and other voices would have been heard from a bit farther off, but for the fact that the voices of his disciples and his followers were not much heard at all that day. Like beloved John, most of those who did come watched and then went away in silence as we will tonight. They didn't raise their voices in bold protest against the injustice. They acquiesce to the affair. And voices still acquiesce amid the maltreatment of Christ and all the members of his body. 
And that Good Friday, I tell you, even creation comments on what takes place. Nature itself voices its disapproval of what mankind, its fellow creature, has done to the Son of God. As if ashamed by the human race, the Son hides its face and refuses to aid and abet this crime with its light. The earth shudders and it shakes at what's been done. The rocks split apart and come undone, for the Creator is put to death. And this by the hands of His own creatures. These are the voices of Calvary. As they did make known His birth and His life, voices tell us of Christ's death. But indeed, these voices tell us just as much about us and who we are, you and me. For I tell you, to one damning degree or another, every last one of us has shared in their every tone and tenor. And where there is guilt, make no mistake, friend, and mark it well, we share in that guilt. But these, these are not the voices that make this Friday a good Friday. We hear lastly tonight the, the only voice of Calvary that does. It's the loudest voice of Calvary, and yet it barely makes a sound. It is the sweetest voice of Calvary. It's the voice of God the Father and the voice of God His Son. We hear the deafening silence of God the Father. But I tell you, His silence speaks volumes. For He so dearly loved you and me. So dearly loved every person under heaven that He chose to, and indeed, indeed He did rather, abandon to silent forsakenness His own dear Son instead of abandoning you. Because I tell you the truth, as Scripture itself says, Holy Scripture guarantees your sins have separated you from your God. But sin's separation was that day endured and embodied in His own Son. Holy Scripture declares to you, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself not counting our trespasses against us, as He made Him, Jesus Christ, the Holy Lamb of God, who knew no sin to be our sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And so therefore, in loving silence, the Father, imagine it, with a love for you that holds Himself back from rushing with fatherly comfort to His dying Son, requires himself to stand silently by. He delivered his son over to sin's death and watches him now die it. And upon the cross is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He does not complain. And but for seven last words of his, if parted in peace, he is as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. No, he was born 
for this moment. He has lived for this moment, and in this moment He wears our sin. And He bears our sin. In this moment, the unmitigated wrath of a sin-despising God against the collective sins of all the world of all time falls squarely and unsparingly upon Him. But He voices no objection. No, instead with arms flung wide, Embracing the world, lovingly and gladly, he consents. Our sins couldn't keep him on that cross. Only his love for you could do that. And it did. On that first Good Friday, the greatest voice of Calvary, God's voice, it was silenced. It was silenced then and there so that his clear word of forgiveness could echo to the farthest reaches of eternity. Echo the word of forgiveness. In that day, God the Son gladly died for you. Friend, mark it well. God died for you. We leave here tonight Our voice is silent, but we leave with the voice of greatest assurance. And that's this. Your sins remain dead because Jesus Christ did not. A blessed Good Friday to you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.